we mm -hmm. can have pauses and it doesn't have to be perfect. We can try things again, um, depending on, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. what happens. Mm -hmm. I will go ahead and start. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Let's go. Okay. This is Genetics in Your World, a podcast by the Early Career Leadership Program of the Genetics Society of America, where we delve into the latest genetics research featuring highlighted content from GSA journals. This is your host, Holly Kleinschmidt, a graduate student at Penn State University. Today, we will be discussing a recent publication titled Implementation of DCAS9-Mediated CRISPR-I in the Fission Yeast Schizosaccharomyces pombae, published in G3 by Dr. Ken Ishikawa and his colleagues. Dr. Ishikawa is an assistant professor in the Department of Cell Biology within the Institute of Life Science at Kurume University. Dr. Ishikawa received his bachelor's degree in chemistry from Tohoku University and then went on to earn his master's degree and PhD in biophysics and biochemistry from the University of Tokyo. He continued his postdoctoral studies at the University of Tokyo and then studied at the National Cancer Institute as a research fellow. In this episode, Dr. Ishikawa will tell us about how he and colleagues adapted CRISPR interference for fission yeast, allowing controllable, reversible, and efficient transcriptional repression in this model organism. We're excited to talk to Dr. Ishikawa about himself, his research, and the story behind his research. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Ishikawa. Thank you for inviting me to talk about our study about CRISPR-I in fission yeast. Yeah, of course. I'm very, yeah, I'm very excited to join into this podcast. Yeah, we're really excited to hear more about your research. So <laughs> before we jump into talking about the study, we're interested mm -hmm. to get to know you a little bit better. So mm -hmm. how did you get interested in science? Um, uh, in, in my case, it was kind of very simple. I enjoyed classes in school, uh, especially about chemistry and biology. And then I, I got interested in working in these fields. Yeah, that's great. So yeah. what has your scientific journey looked like so far? Um, I actually studied in several different fields. Uh, as an undergrad, I studied about transcription factor. And uh, at grad school, I characterized several restriction enzymes. And uh, after finishing my PhD, I changed my research field to fission yeast genetics. When I was a postdoc, I revealed mechanism of uh, drug resistance against an uh, anti-cancer agent by using uh, fission yeast genetics. And during the yeast genetics study, I noticed characterization of essential gene is difficult in this organism because we do not have easy method to repress gene expression. So when I started working as an assistant professor at Kurume University, I decided to implement a technology to repress gene expression in fission yeast. Yeah, that's great. That goes right into the paper that we'll be talking about today. So yeah. are there, uh, does your lab have any other current research interests or different things that you're studying right now? Yeah, currently I'm interested in revealing function of essential genes of fission yeast. So for this purpose, I'm working on implementation of CRISPR-Cas9-based technologies uh, to fission yeast, and it will be the main topic of today. 
Yeah, exactly. So now we can go into uh, some background on the paper that we'll be talking about today. So mm -hmm. like you were just mentioning, your recent publication in G3 describes a method for using CRISPR interference to repress gene expression in fission yeast. And given the uh, recent Nobel Prize in Chemistry Award uh, given to Dr. Doudna and Dr. Charpentier for the development of CRISPR as a method for genome editing, most people have probably at least heard of CRISPR at this point, but may not know what it is. So how would you describe CRISPR in simple terms? CRISPR-Cas system is adaptive immune system in bacteria and archaea against the virus. Actually, there are many types of CRISPR-Cas systems, but Today, I will talk about um, type 2 CRISPR-Cas systems because we use this system. CRISPR-Cas is constituted with DNA repeat sequence called CRISPR, which stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeat, and proteins called Cas, which stands for CRISPR-associated. One of the Cas proteins Cas9 is an enzyme that can cut DNA. However, Cas9 alone does not cleave DNA. To cut DNA, Cas9 requires small RNA called guide RNA, which is coded in the DNA sequence CRISPR. The guide RNA plays a role to determine target of the DNA cleavage by Cas9. Guide RNA forms a complex with Cas9 protein and binds to a specific target DNA through Watson-Crick base pairing. After this specific binding of Cas9 guide RNA complex to a target DNA, Cas9 cleaves both of the DNA strands and this causes DNA double strand break. This CRISPR-Cas9 is very useful tool for genetics because by using this technology, you can create specific DNA you are interested in. And uh, this can be done only by changing sequence of uh, guide RNA. This technology is very useful because um, after introducing such specific DNA double strand break, you can edit the DNA sequence. That is called genome editing. Yeah, that's a great description of CRISPR. Um, and in your study, you actually utilize a different version of CRISPR that is called CRISPR interference or CRISPR-I, which is what we'll call it for the rest of the episode today. So how is CRISPR-I similar and different to regular CRISPR? Yeah, CRISPR-Cas9 is technology to cut arbitrarily specific DNA. However, CRISPR-I is a technology to repress gene transcription. For CRISPR-I, we use catalytically inactive Cas9 mutant. It is called dead Cas9 or DCas9. DCas9 also can bind to a specific DNA target, but it does not cut DNA. However, once DCas9 binds to a target DNA, it inhibits action of RNA polymerase, and that causes transcriptional repression. Since DCas9 also binds to arbitrary genes only by changing guide RNA sequence. By using this technology, you can inhibit transcription of a target gene you are interested in. Okay, and how can you use CRISPR-I in research? I think the CRISPR-I is a strong research tool to characterize essential genes. 
Maybe, you know,、um, gene deletion or、uh, gene knockout is a popular approach to understand the function of genes. However, this gene knockout approach is not always、uh, useful to analyze genes essential for cell viability because knockout of such essential gene causes lethal effect. So it's difficult to analyze phenotype of the、uh, organisms. However, in the case of CRISPR I, it can conditionally inhibit gene transcription. That means when CRISPR I is not induced, cells are viable and you can grow them and stock them. But when you like to know the function of the gene, the transcription can be inhibited conditionally, and the cellular phenotype after gene knockdown or transcriptional repression can be analyzed. So, I think this is very useful to characterize essential genes. And in your paper, you describe how DCAS9 alone can repress gene expression. And when I read the paper, I was just curious if we know exactly how DCAS9 is able to do this. Does DCAS9 directly repress gene expression, or does it indirectly do that in some way? That's a good question. Actually, so far, we do not know detailed mechanism how DCAS9 depresses gene expression. But our study actually suggested that DCAS9 may have two distinct modes of transcriptional repression. One is inhibition of transcription start、uh, by RNA polymerase. And the、uh, second is inhibition of progress of RNA polymerase. But so far, we do not have many evidences. So we need more studies to、uh, reveal how they work on gene repression. Okay, and you kind of answered this in one of the previous questions. What are the benefits of using CRISPR I over traditional gene repression techniques? I think it is beneficial because CRISPR I is very specific to a target gene.、Uh, it, it was reported that CRISPR I has better specificity than another gene repression method, for example, RNAi. So,、uh, CRISPR I can reduce risk of side effects. Caused by off target gene repression. All right, so let's dive into talking more about the paper. So, in this publication, you design a plasmid containing CRISPR I machinery for fission yeast. Can you tell us a little bit more about the plasmid you designed? This plasmid,、uh, we, we call PSP DCAS9,、uh, contains guide RNA gene and DCAS9 gene. Guide RNA gene can be modified by、uh, cutting with a restriction enzyme. And ligating oligodNA. So you can change guide RNA sequence so that it can recognize the gene you are interested in. And another character of this plasmid is that expression of the DCAS9 can be controlled. So、uh, you can switch on and off of CRISPR I at your timing. Great. And you actually designed this plasmid specifically for fission yeast. So I'm curious、uh, why specifically you chose to study fission yeast or why your lab studies fission yeast. But also, are there specific benefits to using CRISPR I for gene repression in fission yeast over other methods like RNAi that you mentioned? The CRISPR I for fission yeast is very useful because CRISPR I. Is easier than other gene repression methods in fission yeast. Actually, there are several gene repression methods in fission yeast. For example, RNAi 
target protein degradation and promoter replacement. However, for RNAi, you need to construct a complicated plasmid with long target sequence. It can be like one kilobase pair or longer. So th this is a kind of time consuming. And uh, other technologies like target protein degradation and protein replacement requires modification of genome DNA. This is also time consuming. However, in, in case of CRISPR-I, uh, plasmid construction is very easy. When our undergrad students tried the construction, each student correctly constructed four plasmids in three days. So the construction is very easy. And I think such character of easy to handle is very important when we need to replace many genes. So in other words, this technology is very suitable for genome-wide study. Oh, wow. That's really impressive that the undergrad students were able to do it so efficiently. That really speaks to how easy and accessible CRISPR-I is. Yeah, yeah. They, they did very, very well. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, the experiment was designed. Uh, it can be done very easily. Right. And you also mentioned uh, that unlike some traditional gene editing methods for gene knockout, CRISPR-I is actually reversible. So how is uh, CRISPR-I being reversible useful in your model organism and other model organisms? I think the reversible transcription is um, useful to construct artificial transcription circuit. So this aspect of CRISPR-I may facilitate synthetic biology by using fission yeast. Okay. And you also mentioned in the paper that the main challenge in utilizing CRISPR-I is designing an appropriate targeting sequence, which mm -hmm. makes sense in your plasmid. Really, the only thing that the experimenter needs to change is the uh, guide RNA sequence. So can you describe what you found regarding the optimal location for designing guide RNA targeting in fission yeast? Yes. In that paper, we found guide RNA that binds to non-temperate strand at transcription start site and guide RNA that binds to temperate strand of 90 base pair downstream from transcription start site are optimal for gene repression. Right. And so you found that the location and strand targeted by the guide RNA are both really important in how efficiently the gene is repressed. And when I was reading the paper, I was wondering if there's a hypothesis for why the location and strand matter. So for example, in the paper, you say that a guide RNA will repress gene expression better when it's bound to the non-template strand compared to the template strand when it's designed at the transcriptional start site. So what hypotheses do you have for why that may be the case? That's a very good question. It is because action of RNA polymerase depends on location. Near transcription start site, first general transcription factors bind to a promoter and uh, recruit RNA polymerase there. Then they help start of RNA synthesis by RNA polymerase. One possibility may be DCAS9 at transcription start site may inhibit such functions of general transcription factors. I imagine that protein orientation of DCAS9 with guide RNA that binds non-temperate strand may fit well into a spot of actions of general transcription factors. And in case of in downstream of transcription start site, 
you know, RNA polymerase is running on the DNA with RNA synthesis. Then in this case, maybe protein orientation of DKS9 with guide RNA that binds template strand may work better as a roadblock to inhibit RNA polymerase progression. But uh, we, we need more study to reveal detailed mechanism of such actions. Right. And another really interesting thing uh, that I read about in your paper was that you found that some genes were actually more easily repressed by CRISPR-I than other genes in the fission yeast model system. And I was wondering if you have a hypothesis for why this may be. Is it an effect of having a limited number of targeting sequences based on the PAM sequence requirement, or is there some other rationale for why some genes are more easily repressed than other ones? Yeah, actually, yeah, you, you pointed very good part of, of the recognition. You, you mentioned about PAM sequence. It, it, it is actually one limitation to choose a target site of uh, DKS9 binding. And uh, actually, sometimes we cannot find PAM sequence close to the preferred binding site for gene depression. That is one reason sometimes the depression is difficult for some genes. And another possibility may be that in more repressible genes, uh, DNA is more accessible than others. Um, it, it was reported that histone proteins can eliminate DKS9 from DNA. So I think in such genes, preferred locus for repression is not occupied with chromatin proteins that could impede DKS9 binding there. Wow, that's really interesting. Along the, kind of the same lines of mm -hmm. if you do have a gene that you want to repress and it's not easily repressible, is it possible to improve the gene repression by CRISPR-I by potentially fusing certain functional proteins to DCAS9? And if so, are there specific DCAS9 fusion proteins that exist that could be used for that purpose in fission yeast? Yeah, I think the protein fusion approach is uh, good to improve uh, depression efficiency. Uh, actually, it was reported that that approach is effective in human tissue culture and budding yeast by using CRISPR-I. And uh, they used KLAP, it's a KLAP-associated box, and uh, also MXI1 as transcription repression domains. So these domains are actually worth trying even in fission yeast. And so far, I tried some function domains of fission yeast to fuse DKS9, but so far we did not find such effect to improve the repression. So I think to apply such protein fusion approach, we need more study and condition finding. Okay, and what about using more than one guide RNA? That's another thing I was wondering. So I know in human systems, like the ones I work with, sometimes we can add multiple guide RNAs in order to increase the efficiency of repressing a gene of interest. I was wondering if something like that would be possible with fission yeast or with the plasmid that you designed. Yes, uh, actually, uh, it, it is possible. And uh, we, uh, we tried that experiment in fission yeast. And it actually enhanced uh, gene repression. And uh, hopefully we could publish that result soon. That's great to hear. It's always good to hear that somebody has some good data that they're ready to publish soon. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So moving on to the greater scope of CRISPR-I and the system that you designed in this paper, what discoveries do you foresee being made with CRISPR-I in fission yeast or in other model organisms? I expect that CRISPR-I in fission yeast will facilitate understanding functions of essential genes. And actually, we started constructing essential gene knockdown library. And hopefully this library would help facilitating characterization of essential genes in this organism, fission yeast. And so a related question regarding your own research in your lab, are there any specific scientific questions that you are excited to answer using CRISPR-I? Yeah, I, I'm interested in functions of essential genes, but you know, understanding functions of all genes in one organism is a long-standing scientific question in biology. And uh, I think CRISPR-I in fission yeast would contribute for this uh, by facilitating characterization of essential genes. Great. And then outside of your CRISPR-I project, are there any other scientific endeavors that your lab is currently investigating? Yes. In our laboratory, other people study cellular response to change of environmental glucose concentration. And I hope CRISPR-I in fission yeast would help this project by providing essential gene knockdown. Yeah, it sounds like CRISPR-I is really applicable to a wide variety of scientific questions. Um, before we finish out, are there any other, anything that came up that you wish you had gotten a chance to say that you haven't had a chance to say yet? Um, I hope many people would try our, our CRISPR-I system in fission yeast and, uh, and enjoy this useful tool. And uh, any questions are welcome when you have any trouble in using this CRISPR-I system in fission yeast. So you may contact with me to discuss about this technology. All right. Thank you for coming on to the show to share your story and research with us today. And as somebody who utilizes CRISPR-I in human cells to study transcription factor binding, I was really excited to read about how you're adapting this method for fission yeast. And like you were saying, I think the scientific community will really benefit from being able to use this robust and reversible gene repression method in a classic model organism to study a wide variety of scientific questions. So thank you again, and good luck with all of your future scientific endeavors, Dr. Ishikawa. Thank you. The Genetics in Your World podcast is produced by the multimedia team of the Early Career Leadership Program of the Genetics Society of America. We invite you to visit the Society's website for more information on how you can get involved with the genetic scientific community. 